Okay, so um, this morning we're going to be um, kind of continuing the study that we've been on. Um, we're we're going to take a not a different direction, but just we're going to be talking about maybe a different area um, under the same kind of larger banner. So for the last <clears throat> three weeks or so, we've been uh, digging into the person of Christ. Specifically, we've been looking at um, Christ's humanity, his human nature. Um, we looked at that over several different uh, parts. We, we explored um, his virgin birth, the significance of that, uh, what it meant for him to have a human body, a human mind, human spirit and emotions. Um, last week we kind of wrapped that, that portion up considering uh, what it meant uh, for those around him who knew him to see him as normal, like how human was he? Um, that when they when they uh, hear him kind of as he's come comes onto the scene and, and begins teaching and preaching boldly, they're like, "Who is this guy? Isn't he the carpenter? Like, isn't he the carpenter's son? Like, isn't that Mary's boy? Um, how could he um, preach so boldly and so um, like 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 with such authority, right?" So now we're going to be kind of looking at. Uh, and this is going to be over several several weeks as well. We're going to be looking at Jesus's deity. Like, what does it mean that he was God? Like, how how much God was he? Right? Like, we're going to find just as he was completely and totally human, he was also completely and totally God. And 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 I get that when we when we speak like that, that there's lots of things that it's like, how could that even be? Right? Um, those seem to be, and, and, and I think a lot of a lot of people who are not believers, that's a major stumbling block for them. Is um, you know, like how could he be completely both, right? Um, so, uh, though we might oftentimes find it difficult to explain how those two realities can be completely true and 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 simultaneously true. Um, I think that what what we the approach that we should take is um, digging into scripture, looking at the text, and seeing that scripture speaks this truth clearly to us, right? Like it speaks, and we've been digging into how it speaks to him, um, to his humanity. He is perfectly and fully human. He 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 was he was born, lived life, uh, experienced life, trials, tribulations. Uh, just like we do, um, and we're going to start digging into today to see that um, even before he was born, um, Scripture um, was prophetic in uh, what we should be looking for, even if even if um, the Jews of Christ's day, uh, by and large, miss this. So um, we're going to pr- open up this by looking at uh, Isaiah chapter chapter nine. So if you would flip with me to Isaiah chapter nine. We're going to be looking at verses 6 and 7 here. And I imagine, prior to the coming of Christ, um, if you were a believing Jew looking forward to the promises of God, that passages of text like this would have been interesting to you and also difficult to wrap your mind around. Uh, verse verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9 here. For to us a child is born, 
To us, a son is given, right? Sounds totally human, right? And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Okay, so he's going he's gonna to have some authority, right? Still sounding human. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Okay, I'm cool with that. Mighty God, pump the brakes for a second. Right? Like as I read, as I read this, so, so a child who is born is going to be called what? Mighty God. Like wonderful counselor, I can I can deal with that, right? Like but when you say a child is born who's going to be called God. This this is this so the the difficulty of understanding what God was doing didn't just start at the birth of Jesus. The prophecies prophesying of the birth of Jesus give us these same kind of struggles to wrap our mind around, right? How is it that a child who is born is also the mighty God, the one who holds even the womb of his mother together as he's being knit within it, right? Like this is a crazy, crazy, crazy reality. But this is what Scripture is pointing us to here. And it continues on. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace... Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice, with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So who will do this? The Lord will do it. Um, So here we find in the Old Testament prophecies of the coming Messiah here and we can see that this child who is born, this son who is given to us on whom the the government shall be upon his shoulders that he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So is this child who is to be born, the son who is to be given, anything less than God incarnate? No. Scripture from, from early on has given us the, this, this uh, truth, right? Difficult as it may be to explain, um, nonetheless, uh, if we hold and we do that Scripture is without error and speaks only truth to us, then the reality is is that a child will be born and this child will be called God. Right? Um, so let's flip to uh, John chapter one. We're gonna we're gonna continue this in the in the New Testament. So today. We've got a couple of passages of text that I want us to go to uh, that specifically speak to Christ being God. We're going to do this in, in, in two, probably two, um, that may change, but at least right now that's the plan, two kind of major ways in which Scripture speaks uh, of, like, shows to us that Christ is God. One, it just says it, right? Um, so there's several places, in, and we're not going to cover all of them. Um, we're going to co- cover, uh, try to cover several of the the very clear cases. Um, so there's places where Scripture just says to us that He's God, like it's straightforward. Um, and then we're going to look at other places where the the life, work, and actions of Christ testify to uh, 
events that took place that could only be done if he were God, right? So we're going we're gonna to kind of split it up into, into two categories like that. So if you'll flip John chapter 1, and we've been here, we've been here for um, a couple of weeks. We've kind of touched in this. Uh, as we were coming through it the first couple of times, we probably paid more attention to um, the flesh, right? The flesh, because we were speaking of Christ coming in, in human form. Uh, but here, we're going to look at verses 1, we're going to look at verses 18, and then we're going to go uh, deeper into the book of John, into chapter 20. So, um, John 1, 1, In the beginning, the Word, or in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word... What does it say? Was God. So this is the word that becomes flesh later on in this chapter. So is there any question here who this word is? Right? Like this word that becomes flesh, this word was with God, and this word was God. Yes. So this this is speaking... Christ, but when it's speaking about Christ, it's speaking about Him as being God. Not only is He with God, because this is this is one of those texts that we would tend to lean on when we're looking at, at kind of ideas surrounding the, the Trinitarian nature of, of God. Um, but here we see clearly the Word was God, right? So the Word that becomes flesh, the child that's born to us, the Son that's given to us, was prior to His coming as a babe in a manger, God. He was God. right? He was with God and He was God. Scripture is very clear to us who Christ is. Christ is God. And He does not deny this. Like We're going to get in um, later on where we see um, worship given to to Christ uh, that's only do God and Christ accepts this worship. It's do Him because He is God. Right? So um, that's Romans chapter 1 or excuse me, that's uh, John chapter 1 verse 1. Let's look at verse 18 here. No one has ever seen God. The only God. Okay, now follow this. So who's, who's seen God? No, no. no one. Now, pay attention closely to the reading of this, right? So no one has ever seen God. Ask yourself as you read this, like, who's this speaking to when it says that that in the first part? So no one has ever seen God. And then it's kind of pause there and then read the next as 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 a phrase in and of itself. The only God who is at the Father's side has made Him known. So the first part, who is that? The verse verse eighteen. No one has ever seen God. When it speaks of God, there, who's it speaking of? That's the Father, and we know that because of what the the phrase that follows, right? So no one has ever seen the Father. I'm just going to place that there for the sake of clarity um, in this. The only God who is at the Father's side. That's how we know that it's speaking of the Father. The only God who is at the Father's side has made Him known. So who's made the Father known? The only God at His side. Right? Right? This is Christ. So, so no one has ever seen God. That 
phrase following that, the only God, you could say, Christ Jesus, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Right? Like, that's, that's the gist of what's being told to us in this text. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Who is this speaking to? This is speaking to Christ. Scripture is clear to us that Christ is not only completely and fully man, but He is completely and fully God. Romans chapter 9. Flip with me there. It is a big thought. Yes. <coughs> and, and, you know, I always think of Jesus in my life. When I think about Jesus being in the scripture, I think of Jesus being in the scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funded, this thing is funded by people, and already 4.4 million people have donated and watched this. But it shows really the human side of Jesus. And some people could say it was kind of like, what did the Pharisees say? Kind of like maybe a little blasphemy because it shows things that's not in Scripture, you know, but his day to day is funded. Yeah. Yeah. And um, very scriptural, but. Arm wrestling. Yeah. Dancing it away. Well, he probably did when he had right before he turned that water into wine. Yeah. But it lets me see that, yeah, he lived like a human, you know, and helped kind of open my eyes yeah. to that human side because when I think about Jesus in the scripture, I think, oh, he is. He is. He is. <laughs> right? I'm sorry. I yeah. Like a babbling idiot. But he is, but he was so much human that he suffered. And the scripture says everything that we've heard from. Yeah. Heard from. Yeah. So I don't I I think that I think that the the difficulty comes when we when we say that unequivocally he's both mm-hmm. simultaneously, right? Like yeah. yes. So so people would be okay right. if he was man and not so much God, if he were more like prophet esque and and only which even the Jews killed their own prophets, right? like like the prophets weren't usually like they weren't huge, they didn't get a huge fan following, right? But when we start saying that this man who walked the earth was completely and fully God, like this is why he was placed on a cross because that is blasphemy. If it's not true, right? Like it's like Christ was put on a cross because those Jews who heard him speaking heard clearly what people would want to deny today. Right? He said he was God. Right? Like he was he was clear in who he was. And this scripture and that Jews Yeah. Yeah. So when he's yeah, and we're gonna hit a we're gonna hit a couple of these like when he started like like when when it starts to culminate right like as as Jesus is approaching the time where the cross is 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 just before him like 
you can start you start seeing him as he says things to them like every time they're like let's stone him now for what would be seemingly like non non statements even right like but but understanding what he was saying and how he was aligning himself with the god of scripture and how he was claiming to be that god that is blasphemy to them and the resurrection is evidence that he is who he said he was, right? Like that's like like he's he's placed on the cross a blasphemer, king of the Jews, right? They done Claiming to be that king. And if he were to have stayed dead, then he would have been the blasphemer that they had claimed him to be, right? Uh, yet that's not what history teaches us. Um, history teaches us that the one who claimed to be God not only raised others from the dead, um, but raised himself from the dead. Um, so, um, Romans chapter 9, verse 5. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. So, again, here we find, speaking to the Christ who would come, the Messiah, um, clearly here Paul believes this Messiah to be uh, God over all, right? So, let's read that one more time. To them belong the patriarchs, uh, from their race, and he's speaking to the, the Jewish people here, according to the flesh is the Christ, so this promised Messiah, and speaking of that promised Messiah, the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. So again, Scripture is clear to us that... Yes, yes. Like he... It's a good full frontal text on the deity. Yeah. 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 It's very clear who this is speaking of. And like I say, there's tons of places in Scripture that you could uh, that you could look to and say, Yep, clearly that points to Christ as being gone. We're not gonna cover all of those. I'm trying to, to kind of put forward the ones today that are like as you read them, they are just crystal clear to this reality. So Romans chapter nine, verse five, it, it it's it would be very difficult. You would have to do a lot of um, gymnastics to, uh, to to miss what's being said there, right? Um, to them belong the patriarch, especially if you follow through the chain of thought that Paul's kind of putting forward here in chapter nine. What he's the point that he's trying to get across? Like, there's no other there's no other one that this could be speaking of, right? So, to them belong the patriarchs from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ who is God over all. Blessed forever. Amen. So uh, flip now with me to uh, the book of Titus. Titus chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 11. Pay, particularly pay attention to verse um, 13. Uh, I'm going to read 11 through um, the end of the, the chapter here. So, 
But like I say, pay attention to, to what's said in verse 13. So, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Uh, Declare these things, exhort and rebuke all authority. Let no one disregard you. So here in verse 13, who is our hope? Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I think... um, what, one, one of the things that I want us to get out of this is that the is that the prophecies of old prophesying of the Messiah who would come uh, speak to this Messiah as being the 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 God um, that created us as we find um, evidence in the 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 Gospels themselves um, we see that uh, this God became flesh still fully and completely God, the God who was before, the God who was with. Um, he has taken on taken on flesh. And then the church continued in this belief, right? Like like what we're what we're getting here as we as we read Titus, as we read um, Romans, as we read uh, the 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 other verses that we're going to come to here again. What we're going to see is that the belief of the early church was that uh, Christ Jesus was not only their Savior, but that He was their uh, that their God. So um, here in Titus chapter two verse thirteen, we see that the that their hope is the they're waiting for their blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave him. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So we touched on that a little, and that, again, like that's one of those that when we say that, like that's a that's a difficult. I think that's a difficult one, and it's. Yeah, I think it's okay for it to be difficult for us to wrap our minds around. Um, but I, I think, like, uh, specifically, I think Scripture is given to us in a particular way um, to, to cause us to think in that direction, right? Like, the way that Christ is taken up in the clouds, like a very clear picture of the Christ that was taken up will be the Christ that comes back. Like, there's continuity between um, the Christ that that was taken up and Paul makes no distinction in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 when he speaks of having seen the same one that the others saw like he's seeing the same he doesn't say and then I saw and and like I'm going to make what I saw different because somehow um, things changed in between the ascension and when I saw him like he, he saw the same one that the 500 saw right the same one who is now at the right hand of the Father. The same one that the angel said when they were standing up looking like, what are you guys doing? Get to work. He's coming back the same way that he left, right? So, like, there's continuity. He is now both God and man. He did not shed at the... And we'll get into that some um, in some in some later portions of this, but he did not shed his humanity at the ascension, right? Like... 
Like, yeah. God we stand in awe. Yeah. A God we can understand. Like, only like a God we can understand. I don't, I don't think is worthy of worship. Right. <laughs> if I can understand you, then yeah. But there should be something of God that we we just invokes all in worship. And yeah. Mystery to the yeah. extent. Yeah. Um, just and should be more than our minds. Yeah. And I think, and I think, so you, you hear you hear people say this a say this a lot that like one day when we get to heaven we're gonna know all these things, right? Like no, no, that's not the reality, right? Like you will always be created beings, right? You will always have had a beginning when there was a time before that it could not be said of you that you were, right? Like. Um, you you will you will not be all knowing and all and ever present. You will not take on those attributes of God when you get to heaven, right? Like, well, so here's so here's the here's the reality here's the reality of that, right? Is that you will have an eternity to try, right? And that 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 out of you pressing deeper into who He is. Knowing that you will never reach the depths, worship comes out of that, right? Like awe and wonder as you behold your God, you see Him, but you can't, like, it's impossible for you to know Him completely, right? Like, it's completely impossible. It's not that you just need more time, right? You will never know Him. All of Him. To the fullness of, of who He is and what He's done. Right? Like it's impossible for finite beings to understand the infinite infinitely. Yet we're called to try that. Yes, we're called to press into it. And we find all like like we find our hearts drawn to worship as we press in. And and you said something that you said something a second ago that I think's like like critical. Like if we could understand him completely and fully, he would not be worthy of our worship. Right? Do y'all do y'all thought that a part of that a part of what makes God worthy of worship is that he is something other than us, right? Like that he is something greater. So, at, like, like that. Help, like, there's a, there's a there's a side of us that is we that when we think I could never fully understand that, there's a part of us that wants to just give up and not try, right? And I don't think that that I don't think that Scripture wants to press us in that way, right? Like, I think there's there's the the way that scripture's pressing you and when i say that you'll never understand him in his fullness that's a challenge for you to dive in knowing that you'll never grow bored or tired or that you'll find the end of of one particular wonder of god and be like done found it check that one off the list let me move on to the next one that you will be overwhelmed for eternity by this god and the work that he's done right like when we're in heaven and Christ Himself is 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 opening our eyes to Scripture, He does this after the resurrection. He's opening His followers' eyes. There's nothing that would cause us to think that He's not going to point us back to His work for eternity.
eternity and continue pointing out interesting things that maybe we didn't see the moment before. Like as we do that, like how crazy is it to think that this book that has a limited number of words has an infinite depth that Christ Himself can plunge us into, right? About the work that He's done, right? There'll never be a day where you could say, in, in all eternity, there will never be a day where you would look at Scripture and say, I now have plumbed the depths of it, given all eternity. I've now plumbed the depths of who God is and what He's done from Scripture, right? Like never. You could have read all the words and not completely come to terms with all that He's done and who He is in it. And He'll continue to do that. Yeah. And there could be things that you understand that now you understand more, right? right? Like that you understand more fully or more deeply or more truly. Yeah. Yeah. So so as we kind of press in as we kind of press into this and we look and see um, who God is and, and specifically who Christ is, that He is completely and fully God, and then we consider almost this paradox of what it means for Him to be both, right, God and man. Um, I don't want the the inability for you to maybe feel like you can wrap your mind around it to be a discouragement that you don't press into it, right? I want it instead to be an encouragement that you can press in and know this truth more and more and more without feeling like one day you have to get to the point to where you're like, got an answer for all the questions that you would have regarding this, right? Like, don't think that you have to be there to enjoy the truth of what Scripture says in this regard, right? Because these are some of those places um, that it's that it's genuinely difficult um, to wrap our minds around. So much so um, that... The Jews of Christ's day struggle with it. You're God, really? Because I know you. I've seen you, you know, putting together houses for years, right? Like, I, I know what it, I know your mother. I can't believe that you're God. And they struggled. Like, there was, there was clearly a struggle that this man that I'm laying my eyes on, um, you're not as pretty as I thought you'd be, Jesus, right? <laughs> like, like, you're kind of average looking, you know, like, you come from average, you know, Family line. There's nothing special or kingly about you. Um, like there's a, there was a genuine struggle, right? So as Jesus continues revealing more and more about who He is, um, they stumble over this. Like this is a stumbling block to them. Um, flip with me now to Hebrews um, chapter uh, chapter one. We're going to look at verse eight here, um, and then we'll look at verse um, ten and ten and twelve. So. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. So, 
um, speaking to the Son, that's speaking to Christ. Um, he says of him, Your throne, O God. Right? And so he's quoting Old Testament scripture uh, as, he's, as he's kind of pointing this, this truth out. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. Um, verse, verse 10 now, and the Lord, or he says, and you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Um, so flip with me. We've got two more places that I want us to get to. Um, I want us to see if we can wrap this up. We've got about 10-ish minutes. Uh, let's see if we can maybe come in under that, under that time. So flip, flip back to John chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 56 through 58 here. So this is one of those places where Jesus kind of speaking, uh, they, it was very clear to them um, who he was claiming to be in this in this statement, so much so that they would um, take up stones to, to stone him. Um, so John chapter 8 verse 56 uh, your father Ab- this is Jesus speaking your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day he saw it and was glad so the Jews said to him you are not 50 years old and have you seen Abraham and Jesus said to them truly truly I say to you before Abraham was I was like that's what he could have said right he could have said before Abraham was I was and that would have got the point across Right, like that would have that would have spoken to his to to who he is being before his birth, but he chose different phrase to throw in there. Right, instead of saying before Abraham was I was, he says before Abraham was I am. And this phrase that he uses I am here um, struck a particular chord with them because there's no one else that can use the phrase that he used here except for God himself because he because the phrase that he's using here uh, is a is a callback to in the old testament where God says I will be who I will be right like I am who I am um, and Jesus is calling Jesus is, is calling back to that in the phrase that he uses here. And if you're wondering if it was over their head or if they caught it, the very next verse, like that doesn't that doesn't seem like a verse worth getting stoned over, right? Verse 58 there, truly, truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Like that would seem like, well, maybe you're a little delusional, right? And your English is probably not proper or you're you you, you don't know you don't know your grammar there Um, but they they heard exactly what Jesus was saying here and they wanted to stone him because of verse 59 so they picked up stones to throw at him but Jesus hid himself and went away out of the temple Um, so it's it's clear that that Jesus knew who he was and that Jesus was not uh, bashful about about saying it when when approached by uh, the Jews and the Jews when hearing what Jesus had to say um, they weren't 
wanting to crucify him because he did good works, right? They weren't wanting to crucify him because he healed the blind and, um, you know, uh, did did miraculous works and wonders. They wanted to crucify him because he was claiming to be the great I am. Um, and that's blasphemy. For a man to claim to be God is blasphemous. And um, they heard what he had to say, and because of that, they wanted to uh, they wanted to stone him. Yeah. On verse 29, it says that Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Did he sort of become invisible because he's right there talking to him? Yeah. No, I imagine there was a crowd, and when Jesus, <laughs> it was one of the probably one of those mic drop moments. He was like, you know, they they they're going to get their stones, and he's like, I'm gonna slip out over here. <laughs> he's like, y'all gonna y'all gonna do this, but it's gonna be on a cross, and y'all are gonna get to see me rebuild the temple in three days. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I don't imagine. It does. There's nothing that leads us here to think that it necessarily had to be like you know, kind of him doing some kind of miraculous thing. Um, there's, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. There's several places where it's like he kind of slips off in the crowd, kind of thing. That's probably m- the the more likely thing that happens here is there's probably several folks around. Uh, Jesus tended to be able to draw a pretty pretty solid crowd. Um, they're they're they don't have their rocks on them, right? So it's like there's some moment where they're like, okay, this is it. Let's we're gonna go get the stones. It's about to be over for you. As they're going to get the stones, Jesus is like, I'll see you guys tomorrow. I'm out. You know, like that's that's probably the that's probably the direction that that went. That's not saying it couldn't have been like a, a miraculous, like you know, moving from here to there. But um, I, I don't think we necessarily have to read that into the into the text there. Um, let's wrap up with uh, flip to Colossians chapter one, and this will be will be where we leave off today. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, and then we'll look over in chapter 2. So this is speaking of the preeminence of Christ in this particular like run of text here. Verse 19, For in Him, this is speaking about Christ, For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. Uh, so clearly the blood of His cross, this is, this is speaking about Christ here, in which um, the, the fullness of God dwelled bodily. So uh, chapter 2 says, says similarly, Uh, If we flip to chapter 2, verse 9. For in Him, that's in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. Um, So uh, in in Christ bodily we find um, that the fullness of of God dwells, right? So Scripture is super clear on this. We're going to look next week. Um, at some of the works that Christ had done um, that can only be explained um, if Christ himself um, is who he claimed to be, right? And he claimed to be um, the I am that was before Abraham was. So um, we'll end there for today. Dismissed.